0: There, I just want to say that you have got to be the most insipid, ridiculously idiotic, moronic person I've ever heard on any form of media. Exiled by society, friends, lovers, and terrestrial radio. A guy with literally nothing left to lose. For 15 years, he's been telling it like it is. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. days where it is very difficult to be a commentator, come on the air and just try and put all the words together that you want to say to describe how you feel about a situation. I know there are some that feel compelled to immediately run to the microphone or get behind the camera or rush to their computers and Smash out a blog as quickly as possible I am not one of those people that feels that way On a day like today Following the events that have taken place Over the past 24 hours That's for sure But we're going to do it anyway Because, well, that's this show And I'll tell you It is very difficult I'm going to try and put it down into the blog as well I mean, I, I have to do it Because that's part of why we're here But it's just that some days Some days are easier than others. Most of the time, it's easy to express an opinion, put a thought out there. There's just certain times where it's not. And following the tragic shooting, 14 people dead, 21 people injured. And keep those numbers in mind because I'm probably going to repeat them a healthy amount throughout this segment and probably throughout the show. Because that's really the most important part of this story, is it not? Tragic shooting... Two maniacs, two crazy people that are now dead, thankfully. Uh, Syed Farouk and Tashfeen Malik shooting up a community service center for the disabled in San Bernardino just over 24 hours ago, in which, again, 14 people are dead, 21 are injured. That's the important part of this story, and that's the part that in all this media coverage is lost. But that is the part I want to focus on mainly, because God knows the rest of the media is certainly not going to do that, and our politicians apparently aren't going to do that either. So taking you through the events, uh, obviously, yeah, those are the facts, as we know them. And what we're going to try and do here, yes, of course, there's opinion. Yes, of course, there's speculation. But I'm going to try and not be as irresponsible as the folks over at CNN yesterday. Boy, was that a mess. Sometimes it's hard to find the words because, quite frankly, you watch the media coverage of what happens after a tragic event like this, and it becomes almost cliche what happens. After every incident now, the media rushes out immediately and just throws out a bunch of speculation. There's very little news anymore. It's just, it's massive speculation. They have all these so-called experts on there, which inevitably... Most of the time, their experts turn out to be completely wrong about everything that they were postulating about for the past day or three or ten or whatever. And then the media organization looks to be stupid. They look to lose their credibility only to have people tune in and watch them again the next time there's a big tragedy that goes on. And I'm sure that's what's going to happen. So my uh, I, I was watching the coverage yesterday. And of course, you know, I just felt sad. I felt disgusted by humanity. And it's hard not to come on the air and just express cynicism and disgust at your fellow man when you see something just that tragic. And you just see people uh, that have committed such uh, horrible acts of brutality and violence against their fellow man. But then that sadness is overwhelmingly replaced by anger because then you watch the media and you watch your politicians react. So. As I'm watching CNN yesterday, I see they bring on these various experts, and this is why I don't watch a lot of cable news, but I do it, uh, I've got to be honest, primarily for this show. Uh, I watch a lot of stuff primarily just to have something to talk about on this show. Otherwise, uh, it brings a knot into my stomach every time I watch this stuff. So CNN brings on this expert, and one of the people, this guy, I don't know who it was now, I forget his name, but He, um, I probably forgot it in rage. They bring on this expert to talk about the shootings, and he speculates that, well, we don't know exactly what this could be. Uh, It could be, uh, well, it could be terrorism, or it certainly could be a workplace dispute, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility that this is a radical right-wing militia. Really? That's the direction you're going to take the conversation in? We already know, like, at this point... We knew something was very weird about this situation. We knew that this was a community center for the developmentally disabled, the disabled whatever, in San Bernardino. We knew that there was some kind of holiday party that was going on at the time, but we didn't really have a whole lot of information. It was all very fluid. There was a lot of things coming in about it. We weren't really sure. But one thing we could probably rule out was that this was some sort of Tim McVeigh or some sort of weird militia kind of thing But, you know, of course, let's never give CNN or let's never uh, look past the opportunity for somebody in the media to point at the old uh, the old classic card of the right wing militia, which, as we all know, that frequently shoots up places all across the country. Right. I mean, it's just like every day that right wing militias are out there uh, trashing uh, the, the country and spraying everybody with bullets. Right. Oh, that was just maddening. And then. Uh, so so the coverage was crazy. Obviously, I'm flipping around the channel. I flip over to Fox News. I'm flipping over to MSNBC for some reason. I must hate myself. So I'm, I'm just watching all this and it's crazy. And I just, you know, I'm trying to gather as many facts as possible. It's very hard to do that because that's really not what sells and that's not what people are interested in. And the thing I'm noticing the most is that every news outlet is trying their best to come at this from the terrorism angle. Was this terrorism? Was it terrorism? That's the question they keep asking. As as if somehow... If it's terrorism, it makes the deaths of 14 people and the 21 injured and the families of 35 people that were sundered that morning in San Bernardino, California any more or less significant. Oh, if it was just a workplace, uh, disgruntled workplace situation, then it's not as important as if it was terrorism, and especially not if it were ISIS or Al Qaeda, because those are the big names. It's ridiculous. And it's irresponsible journalism at its finest to just run around and try and come at this from the terrorism angle. Until you know, why speculate? why Maybe you could say, hey, we don't know if this is terrorism or not. But then just to continue on the road and say, well, uh, let's bring on some experts and see what they think. That's ridiculous. How about just, uh, when I was in newspaper, I was four years, I was on my high school newspaper, Okay and the thing that our teachers always emphasized was the 5 Ws and the H who what when where why how that's it and that's what i want the news to do but you just it's so hard to get that now i want to know who what where when why how i and really what i care about the most is not so much the why because quite frankly that sort of sorts itself out once you figure out the rest of it the why the why is almost speculation at that point why did they do it well who knows who really knows? We know the, the names of these guys. It's Syed, Rus, Rizwan Farouk, and Tashfeen Malik, 28 and 27 years old, respectively, incidentally. And we know that they are connected in some way. They are Islamic, so we know that. But that doesn't mean that they're terrorists, but this was certainly a terrorist action. Whether or not it's the traditional jihad style terrorism, who really knows? Okay, but we do know that this is some. It is a premeditated murder. We know that this guy, this uh, Syed Farouk, he worked at this community, this health center, or whatever. Uh, he was an employee there. He's been an employee with the uh, San Bernardino County Department of Health. And we know that he attended this holiday party and then stormed out and then came back around 20 or 30 minutes later. Now, whether or not he was really mad at anything that happened at the party or not, It was obvious to anybody that this was something that he wanted to do for a long time because you don't just get mad. Even if you're one of these disgruntled workplace people, and this is why the news just kills me. Even if you're one of these disgruntled workplace people and you want to shoot up the place, you don't leave and come back uh, 20 or 30 minutes later in full body armor with your girlfriend or wife and shoot up the joint. With uh, high-powered uh, weapons, you don't do that. You don't shoot up the place, spray it with uh, semi-automatic weapons, and kill a bunch of people. You know, you probably just run to your car, grab your handgun, shoot the place, turn around, and leave. This guy and and his significant other uh, loaded up with weapons and body armor, and then did their deed. So I don't know. It's ridiculous. Uh, to speculate on, on some of that, especially during the story. You know, you can speculate on it afterwards. Wait for the bodies to cool at, for at least. I mean, come on. Wait for them to extract the bodies from this community center before you start your speculation. And the difference is, you know, it's one thing if... Uh, those guys on Fox News like Sean Hannity or Bill O'Reilly or somebody over at MSNBC or CNN, the commentators speculate. That's one thing. when news people, when they're in their news block, I don't want to see an anchor speculating about it. And I don't want to see a slant from an anchor. I just want to see the news about it. Yeah, if I want to see or hear speculation, I'll tune into those kind of people. But I just think it's um, it was disgusting. And so the media just once again made me really almost as disgusting as the actual act of violence itself was the fact that we just can't get uh, a credible, non slanted, unbiased media to just come out there and report. on. I'm sure there were local outlets that did a much better job, but I'm t- I'm just talking about the major cable outlets. And certainly there were print outlets that I looked at that were good and that covered this thing fairly adequately. But uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to TV news, cable news, holy crap, is that ever in a in a bad shape right now? That is really terrible. Then, as if that wasn't disgusting enough, then of course I, in my head, this is how you're always trained to think nowadays, and unfortunately, this is part of the cynicism that comes with living in the world that we live in now, and especially as we come around to another election cycle, my next thought was. How are the politicians going to handle this? How are the candidates for president going to handle this specifically? So naturally, I start looking around on social media and the first person I come across is Hillary Clinton. And not even two hours after the shots had been fired and we still had no idea what any of this was all about, we just knew that there was a mass shooting, we knew it was in San Bernardino, we knew it was at this community center and all this other stuff. We didn't know a lot of the other... We knew there was a manhunt going on across Southern California for these terrorists, quote-unquote. But we didn't know anything else about the story. And Hillary Clinton takes to Twitter right away and says, I refuse to accept this as normal. We must take action to stop gun violence now. And I thought, well, that's great. You want to springboard your political viewpoints in the middle of this situation. We still have a manhunt going on across Southern California for these people and you know, you want to uh, use this as an opportunity to sort of weave in your anti-gun standpoint. And that's fine, except couldn't you have at least first, before you got into all of that, couldn't you at least have said first, my uh, my heart is with the uh, victims and their families of this unspeakable, unthinkable act. Couldn't you have done that first? Uh, I really feel for the community of San Bernardino. It, I don't know, maybe that would have been a more appropriate response rather than taking immediately to the talking point. Or, hell, even condemning the violence itself, condemning the people that committed these acts and saying something about them, even that would have been more acceptable than, well, there's damn guns, I'll tell you what. I, I have to tell you, this is just another fine example of how politicians often just don't get it, just completely out of touch. You talk about the out-of-touch politician. That's what it is right there. 35 families are just destroyed as a result of what happened. Lives are forever changed. The landscape of the community is It will take a long time to heal from such a terrible thing. And the first thing you think of as a politician is, oh, I have to run to Twitter right away and make sure that I weave in my talking point about anti-gun stuff. You know, that's great. Doing a see, I told you so in the middle of a tragic event is just bad form. And once again, great job, Hillary Clinton, for doing that. And by the way, it wasn't just Hillary that did this kind of crap. I saw Ted Cruz make an appearance someplace and uh, give some thoughts about, uh, you know, terrorism and try and scare us about the boogeyman of terrorism as well. And I'm not saying that terrorism isn't something to think about and it's not a concern and that you shouldn't ever think about it. But I mean, come on. Trying to drum up additional fear about this and turn it into, this is my opportunity to campaign and tell you how I'm going to bomb the crap out of everybody wearing a a, a towel or a turban or whatever is just ridiculous as well. So I, I just, I wish maybe politicians would have, you know, we talk about a waiting period for guns. Why can't we have politicians that have a waiting period to speak uh, after an, a tragic event like this? Maybe um, maybe a one or two or three day waiting period. Just give them a cooling off period. Just like we do in the NFL after a game or in the NBA, after any sort of game, generally uh, players have to have a cooling off period before they meet the media. I don't know, five, 10, 15 minutes or something. Maybe do that here as well. Maybe give some kind of a cooling off period for politicians. Oh my God. It's, I'm, I don't even know. It's funny, but it's not funny. The only thing I can do about the situation is laugh because that's all there is, is that people will, I don't want to say profit off of someone else's tragedy, but that's kind of what's going on. They're using it as a means to their own ends. And that is really disgusting. What's really also disgusting is the fact that this once again spirals into our polarized society where we point the fingers at each other. Everyone's going to take to Facebook and their various social media outlets. People are going to get into arguments about this. They're going to make it about guns. They're going to make it about left versus right. And that's all a distraction from the bigger picture. And there's a much bigger picture out there. You know, the bigger picture is that, uh, well... There's several aspects to it, really. You know, the government uh, wanting to use this as a way to go after guns and then the the whole terrorism aspect. And we, of course, forget about that. We, of course, forget about the fact that 14 people are dead and 21 people are injured. And we forget about all of that eventually because we're so busy arguing amongst ourselves about this nonsense, about the left-right nonsense, the Ds and the Rs and all that, that that's what we really... Dis- We get distracted from what's really important. And that's what's terrible about all this. And that's what pissed me off most about this media coverage. You know, I want to see the names of these victims. And I know, you know, you have to wait a while and let the next of kin know and all this other... I I understand that part. But I mean, these people, it's... I, I just feel for the families and I feel for the victims. And if we ever get all the names... I would gladly post them on my website and I would gladly put them out there so that people know who they are because they all have a story and it, all, and it needs to be heard. And I know this may sound soft. This may sound pukey to some of you and this may sound corny to you. But I think that and I know we need to talk about the rest of it, too, because life does go on. And I understand that. But I think that at least to take a moment to look at the people that lost their lives in this senseless act of violence yesterday, I think that that is something that absolutely needs to happen. And uh, no, I don't care about the fact that Syed Farouk and Tashfeen Malik are dead. No, I don't. If you're going to ask me, no, that's not a tragic loss yesterday um, because yeah, I know, you'd like to interview them and you'd like to get as much information as possible, but they're not going to tell you anything anyway if they were alive. Um, So you wouldn't have gotten much out of them anyway. And I'm sure if you tried to put them in a prison here in the U.S., somebody would have shanked them because, uh, well, because if they're associated with Islam, I'm pretty sure the general, uh, gen pop in a prison is not too fond of, um, (laughs) of somebody... Uh, with Middle Eastern or uh, or Islamic heritage of some kind or an Islamic uh, background. So that wouldn't have gone too well either. So I'm not uh, I'm not shedding a tear over their lives, although I, I certainly felt disgusted by what happened yesterday. And let me just get into that real quick too because uh, a lot of people, the weirdest thing that happens after all of these too is that people start calling me or people start messaging me, oh, you've seen what's going on. And I see some of my friends say this too. They say, I'm shocked by this. I am really surprised. I'm really shocked by this attack. Really? You're shocked by this? You're shocked by something that just happened a couple weeks ago in Paris, except even on a much grander scale. They used explosives and guns and killed, what, 140 people? And injured hundreds more? And you're shocked? This is happening regularly. I mean, it happened in Paris twice this year. It happens every day on this planet. There is Islamic, radical Islamic fundamentalist terrorism, this Wahhabi sect of terror and this uh, jihad stuff. This happens every single day. There are deaths and injuries as a result of this going on all over the world. It is no longer shocking. 9-11 was shocking. <clears throat> okay, 9-11 was actually something that was, it was never seen before. It was on a, a historic level. It was on a level that no one ever thought was even conceivable. People hijacking planes and flying them into buildings. Something that we had never seen in this country before. Something that we probably won't see again, let's hope. That was truly shocking. I remember sitting, sitting, watching the TV, and I, I couldn't even speak. When I'm watching buildings, the World Trade Center collapse with people still inside. I mean, that's shocking. These kinds of events, mass shootings, it's not shocking anymore. And it doesn't make it less disgusting. It doesn't make it less sad. It's just that, I don't know, that's, that's a, an adjective I don't use to describe it as shocking. I'm not surprised. So that is, uh, there's that. And then people say, what do you think? That's the other question I get a lot. Is, Have you seen what happened? What do you think? What do I think? What I mean, what are you supposed to say to that kind of a question? What do you think? What I think I mean it's horrible, it's terrible, it's devastating. It's awful. What are you supposed to say? Ah, you know, this is not so bad. It's only 14 people. I mean, what are you supposed to say? And then these investigators, the latest report is the investigators were going through the apartment or the townhouse, whatever it is, of the uh, the residents of Tashfeen Malik and uh, Syed Farouk, the shooters, and they described their residence as a, quote, IED factory. Why isn't that being more widely reported? They had a bunch of explosive devices in there, and they were, uh, the feds, they got in there, they took all these devices out of there, they set them off, they blew them up. There was several, could have been even more than a dozen. There's reports as to how many. It's its kind of variable, but there are multiple explosive devices in there and many more materials that could be used to make explosive devices. So, of course, they got all of that stuff out of there. They took some of the documents out of there. They, um, they looked through the place. They combed through fairly well, but uh, with them being dead, I mean, it's hard to really get much more information other than looking at where they've traveled, where they've been, checking some of their key documents to see if they have any sort of uh, affiliation with any terrorist outlets, which as, at this, as of this moment, as of right now, it does not appear that they do. Uh, but they could very well be sympathizers. Again, that's all speculation too, but that's what I do. See, I'm not a news reporter. This is a show where there's opinions and we speculate, but I honestly don't know. And I wouldn't even dare to guess one way or the other. I mean, I guess if I had to... I would say that these people probably were sympathizers. They probably weren't a part of ISIS. They're not a part of Al-Qaeda. This is not uh, some part of a larger plot by any means. These are just a couple of people that were unhinged. They're they're part of the Islamic faith, I guess, the radical Islamics, the Wahhabi sect or whatever. And uh, they just, this guy, um, supposedly, according to people that uh, have worked with him, and according to the people that uh, they've talked to so far, and these are just preliminary reports, but they say that the guy, they had, these two had a kid about six months ago, Syed and Tashfeen, they had um, a kid like six months ago, and supposedly before, even before that, when this guy took a trip over to Saudi Arabia, uh, and then when he had his kid, apparently his behavior changed very radically and that's when he started to exhibit these very strange signs. And that's when neighbors say that they saw all sorts of weird stuff going on around the apartment. The neighbors never reported any of the weird things that they were seeing to the police or to any authorities because they didn't want to be accused of profiling, because that's the kind of politically correct nonsense society that we live in now. You can't, if you profile somebody, you're immediately thought of as a bigot in the eyes of other people. Believe me, if I saw if I was living next door to Middle Eastern people, and you can call me a bad person for this all you want, if I was living next door to Middle Eastern people and I saw people coming in at all hours of the day and night with weird packages and making strange sounds and, uh, you know, if I saw that and I saw guns and things like that coming in and out of the place, you know what? I'd probably call the authorities. I probably would. Just like, it doesn't matter if they're Middle Eastern or not. If I had, if I had a, if my neighbor right next door, this, she's a blonde Blonde hair, blue eyed white woman with uh, who has like a daughter living with her. If I saw strange dudes coming in and out of there at all hours of the day and night and I saw a bunch of weapons coming in and out or whatever, I would call the police on that, too, because I would think, yeah, it's probably a drug operation going on over there. Or I don't know what, but I'm going to call the police because I don't want to think about it. So, of course, I would. This idea that, oh, we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't judge and we shouldn't profile, absolutely we should, profiling doesn't make you a bad person hating somebody because they belong to a specific race or religion or have a specific belief system as long as it's not harmful to anybody if, they, if you do that if you're hateful to that then that makes you a bigot if you discriminate against somebody based on race religion, creed, sexual orientation whatever, that makes you a bigot but seeing something that looks suspicious regardless of the race of the person that does it that doesn't and reporting that that doesn't make you a bigot yeah if you see a black guy just walking down your street and you go there's a black guy on my street I better call the police yeah there might be something wrong with you but if you see a black guy walking down a street and you know he's brandishing a weapon and he's just sort of waving it around he's not shooting anybody he's just kind of waving it around you know what maybe you should call Okay, you know, that's the thing. It, it's it's all situational. But this idea that, oh, I can't even profile anymore. Look, um, major countries profile people. Israel profiles in their airports. They don't have half of the security measures in their airports that we do in ours. They, they have metal detectors, yes, but they don't... They allow families to go to the gates. <laughs> they... They are much more relaxed in their security in some aspects at the airports in Israel, and they haven't had an airliner hijacked in 40 years in Israel. They have people over there that profile individuals as they walk through the airport. They watch your hands. They watch your eyes. They watch your movements. they, They ask you questions, and they pay very close attention to how you react and what you say and what you think, and it seems to be working for them. We could certainly take some cues from how they handle things, definitely. Because Israel is a nation that knows terrorism a lot more intimately than we do. It's a regular thing over there. We could learn from them. So I don't know. I, I, I don't see what's wrong necessarily with quote-unquote profiling. And I don't mean you uh, a police officer that pulls over a guy for driving while black. Okay, I don't mean that. I don't mean a police officer that pulls over a Hispanic person and automatically assumes that they're an illegal. No, that is wrong. That's completely wrong. When I'm talking about profiling, I'm talking about people that fit a specific description or have specific characteristics and and this is the important part and exhibit suspicious behavior to shy away from that because of political correctness is definitely a dangerous thing as well. All right. Listen, that's uh, that's the big story. From the last 24 hours. It's a difficult thing to talk about. It sucks. The media, the politicians, the reaction, the society being distracted by the nonsense and taking their eye off the prize. All of that has certainly been um, very apparent and has come to light uh, during the past day or so. And we're here to talk all about it. And we'll continue to do so over the next several days and weeks and whatnot as we find out more information about this. If there is any more information to be garnered, I'm sure that President Obama is going to take some action because I I see a story here already that he is set to uh, issue executive orders about gun control. At least that is what is being reported. And uh, I don't know exactly what sort of executive orders you could issue. I don't know why we're going to blame guns for this. I have no idea. I mean, you can pass all of the gun restriction that you want and this is the point that i really think is important on this when people start talking about these mass shootings they talk about gun control you know you can try and pass all of the laws that you ever could about guns and guess what these mass shootings are still going to happen because criminals do not care about gun control laws criminals are still going to get access to guns no matter what kind of laws you put in there. If you could ban all guns tomorrow, and before you say it, I know no one is advocating that we ban all guns, Mike. I'm just saying you could ban all guns tomorrow, and guess what? More mass shootings are going to happen. You can put in, we had an assault weapons ban from 1994 to 2004 in this country, and guess what? You know what happened in the, right in the middle in 1999? Columbine happened in the middle of an assault weapons ban columbine happened these kids had multiple weapons shotguns they made pipe bombs which by the way are also illegal and that doesn't stop people from making them this syad farouk and this uh, tashfeen malik they were making pipe bombs in their apartment and who knows if they had other people helping them make them pipe bombs explo- uh, improvised explosive devices are incredibly illegal just because you pass a bunch of laws doesn't mean it stops the united states has more laws on the books than any other country And guess what? We have 25% of the world's prison population. We have less than 5% of the world's total population, and yet we have 25% of the world's total prison population, many of whom, by the way, are in jail for nonviolent offenses, you know, drugs mainly, some fraud, embezzlement, and that kind of thing too, but mainly it's drugs people are in prison for in this country. And again, you can't, (laughs) <laughs> you can't just pass laws and that's somehow the panacea. And I know whenever I get into arguments, people go, well, they could put institute more checks, more background checks. We already have background checks, people. You can go to a gun store right now and you still have to pass a background check before they will issue you a gun. You cannot walk in, put money on the counter and say, let me have a gun. And they let you walk out with the gun. That doesn't work. That's not how it works anymore. So... People that want to do harm. Do you think they're going to go to a gun store and try and pass a background check? Of course not. They're going to go and get a gun from either a friend. They're going to go and buy it on the black market. Or they're already a criminal and they're already in possession of a weapon. Like, for example, these drug cartels that bring in copious amounts of high-powered weapons. And they come into this country. And not and it's not just high-powered weapons. Quite frankly... And this is the other point, because we get into these arguments all the time. People say, oh, these assault weapons, that's the real problem. Less than 1% of the crime that is committed in this country is committed by a so-called assault weapon. And that's the reality also. Most crime committed in this country, most gun crime that's committed is committed by handguns. Handguns. Handguns, which includes revolvers, pistols, you know, non automatic weapons non-quote assault weapons weapons that don't have scopes weapons that don't have 87 bullets in them you know they don't have uh, magazines you know 30 and 50 and 80 round magazines we're talking we're talking people that just have your your typical um 357 (laughs) <laughs> your your 22 your 38 special your 45s that's the people Th- those are the most pre- and then of course uh, shotguns and then rifles assault weapons are far down on the list folks that's the reality i'm not saying that they don't they're not part they're not there but hell uh even some of these mass shootings the virginia tech shooter he didn't use an assault weapon he had pistols the James Holmes guy, I think he he had a shotgun. He had a pistol. Uh, I don't even, I don't know if he, now a lot of pistols are semi-automatic, some of them, but I I don't think he had any assault weapons on him. So you have to look at a lot of these. Uh, the Ford Hood guy, I don't think he had an assault weapon either. That one I don't remember for sure, but I, I know some of these mass shootings haven't even involved an assault weapon. They've just involved handguns. So that's the problem with all of this. People, you know, so whenever we have these discussions, I know right away it's blame the guns. Really, there's two big problems mental health care in this country that's problem number one. And until we start looking at how we handle mental health in this country, these kinds of things are going to continue. And I've mentioned this a thousand times before, but whenever these things happen, I always look at the fact that in the 80s and the 90s and all the way even up until now the way that we have treated our children in this country with the diagnosis of ADHD and all this other stuff that's come about the last 30 years in psychiatry, our first solution has been to give children psychotropic drugs. And one thing that a lot of the mass shooters, and I'm not talking about the one that happened yesterday now, because that probably, maybe, is just terrorism, okay? It's not a situation like the others. But in a lot of these mass shootings, the common thread was the person that committed them at some point in their life was on a psychotropic drug, usually when they were children. And psychotropic drugs on children's developing brains is the formula for disaster. And I'm not saying you should never give a child a psychotropic drug. And I know people out in the audience go, I took Prozac and it worked wonders for me. I had somebody yell at me. I used to know somebody that yelled at me about that. I took Prozac and it worked wonders for me. I'm not saying it didn't. You were an adult that took Prozac, okay, and it worked for you. That's great. That's wonderful. And just giving children Ritalin and Adderall and Prozac and all these other things, I think it's very dangerous to start doing. I think it's been dangerous for 30 years, and that is part of the problem with our mental health. We really need to take a look at that, a very hard look at it. And individuals that are demonstrating clear and obvious signs of mental distress, they need to be monitored as well. And we need to have mental health care reform in this country. I mean, we hear politicians screaming about gun reform. No, the first thing you need to do is have mental health reform. Stop giving kids psychotropic drugs. Now, in some cases, I understand you need to do it. I get it. Okay, I understand. But in many cases, no. No, you don't give a seven-year-old uh, Adderall or whatever. When my dad was a kid, you know what we called that? Hell, when I was a kid, you know what we called it when somebody couldn't sit still? It was just a kid that couldn't pay attention. And you know what happened? You, if you couldn't pay attention in your seat in school and your teacher reported it to the parents, I know for me, my parents would have smacked me and said, pay attention. And that would have been the end of it. It's ridiculous. They wouldn't have sent me to a psychiatrist and handed over a bunch of, uh, psychotropic medication to me. They would have said, all right, we're going to not have you eat the sugary cereal that everyone consumes in the masses now. We're not going to give you the sugary cereal before school. We're actually going to give you a healthy breakfast and uh, you're going to sit still and you're going to behave. And that's it. And that's what would have happened. Kids are kids. Sometimes they have a hard time paying attention. You don't just shove pills down their throat because of that. But that's the quick fix solution that we do. No other country prescribes these sheer amount of pharmaceutical medications that we do in this country no other country is even close in that i guarantee you Um, because the pharmaceutical industry has a huge lock on this country huge lock on the business and it is the business that is medicine and that's that's another part of the problem So mental health reform. And then, of course, the other thing that we need to do is, is as a society, look, folks, the Kardashians are not the most important thing going on in the world, okay? You need to sometimes back away from your social media. You need to back away from your uh, American Idol. I know it's the last season of Idol coming up in a month. I understand that, and that's big. You need to back away from uh, from your TV shows a little bit. Not entirely, just a little bit, just to you know, Maybe connect with your neighbors a little bit. Say hello to them. Talk to people. May- keep an eye on what's going on in your neighborhood. And if you started doing that, not only would I think uh, mass shootings go down, I think that uh, neighborhoods would be, there'd be a bit more togetherness, a bit more of a community feel to people's neighborhoods. I know in my neighborhood, we've tried to do a neighborhood watch before. One of those neighborhood watch things. And we all meet and we hang out as neighbors and we have little parties here and there. And it lasts for, I don't know, maybe a year. And then eventually what happens is people lose interest. People stop doing it. People take their eyes off the prize. And that's what happens. And that's what happened in my neighborhood. And then as soon as we stopped doing that, the reason we started was because the break-ins were happening. We had break-ins happening in the neighborhood. So we, start, we got together for a neighborhood watch. What do you know? The break-ins stopped happening. Then people started slacking off again. And what do you know? The break-ins started happening again. When communities work together, when people work together, when people actually form a bond with their neighbors and their community, and I know some of your neighbors are assholes and you don't want to bond with them, and I understand that. I get it. Yeah, there's a couple people in my neighborhood. I I have no interest. But generally speaking, when communities get together, good things happen. And you'll notice a lot of things change if you actually just start talking to your neighbors. And maybe you'll also notice the creepy people that are in your neighborhood. I know people could say, well, you know, that's that's when gossip starts to happen. And I get it. There's not a perfect solution. I'm not here to tell you there's a perfect solution. I'm just saying, I don't know, maybe get to know the people around you. Maybe pay a bit more attention. Maybe back away from the social media a little bit. Get off the computer and get outside and meet people face to face. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course, I say that and I, I don't know, I once in a while have a conversation with a neighbor that lasts for 10 seconds but I do know my neighbors at least some of them I know one of my neighbors is a hoarder I know another guy is uh, the the guitarist for the gin blossoms another one is divorced with a kid another one's uh, a psychopath another one I used to date so, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people in my neighborhood. Some of those overlap. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Anyway, there's more coming up. We'll, we'll get away from this and move on to something fun after this. Tomorrow. Show and I think about the stuff I was just talking about in the last segment. And how so many people are just distracted by social media and they watch the Kardashians and they follow these shows, they watch their Walking Dead and all that. And I always think And believe me, I I like to watch shows and I you know, I, I don't watch much TV, but sure, I, I understand Escape. And I know that a lot of people just pay attention to what's going on in their social media. They just post their memes. They just... They have no idea what's going on in the world. And I just kind of think to myself, would it be better just to be ignorant like that? Would it be better just to not know about what's happening and to just sort of deliberately shut that out? Would my life be a lot better? Would my blood pressure be... Well, my blood pressure is actually really low. It's really good. So, it's almost too low, actually. But, um... I always think, would I be in better... Shape mentally if I just didn't think about all this stuff that goes on obviously I'd have a much less interesting podcast I'd have a lot less stuff to talk about but I know even for me I know I've I've drifted away from talking about politics as much as I used to on this show because I know that some people just get burned out on it people just like to hear about guys getting their head stuck in a toilet or something you know half of the, the dumb stories that we do on this show and believe me we're going to do some of those I've always tried to keep a variety going. It's just that I do feel sometimes, especially when there's a big event like this that happens, sometimes I just think, boy, maybe we should talk about that kind of stuff. And maybe we should try and get people involved. Because inevitably, there are people that I see all the time on social media, my Facebook or Twitter or whatever, that are the kind of people that don't get involved in things very often. And then when something happens, they go, why isn't the government doing anything? Meanwhile, these are people that never get involved in anything. And it's like, well, you never get involved. Or if you do, you simply go out and vote and you just vote for a specific party. You don't even vote for people based on what you, who you think is the best candidate or whatever. And you'll probably just go out and vote for the same dumb things again. And then you'll bitch about the kind of government that you get. And that's the problem with so many people. And and that's why, I don't know, I, I just sit here on the fence and I go, well, maybe, maybe it'd be better if I just did bury my head in the sand. Not knowing might just be a better thing sometimes. I don't know. Like if you had a potentially serious disease, you know, if you had a, a gene that could cause a potentially serious disease, would you want to know that you have that gene or not? Just like if you had a a dangerous or serious government situation or you had a, you had a a serious situation in politics but if you just decided yeah i'm just gonna bury my head in the sand long as it doesn't affect what i'm doing as long as it doesn't affect what i'm watching uh, as long as it doesn't disrupt my stories i'm okay with it i don't know maybe maybe i would maybe one day i'm just gonna i'll give it all up and i'll just i'll be one of those guys too I'll, people will be like oh you hear what happened in the news today nope yeah, 500 million people got vaporized and the Russians just decided to go crazy and they killed everyone uh, over there. Uh, they killed uh, 90% of Europe. Oh, really? Yep, they sure did. Huh. Well, how about that? Hey, uh, so what's happening with the Kardashians, huh? it's <laughs> you know, one of those things. I'm telling you, I, maybe I'll be that guy one of these days. Anyway, doubtful, because I've never been that guy, but I, I generally just, talking about pop culture and I have very little idea what celebrity is dating who, who's winning what Academy Awards and who's nominated for what and who's starred in what movie. I couldn't tell you any of that stuff. If you ask me right now, Mike, name three movies that Dakota Fanning's been in without looking it up. No way I could tell you. Not even a clue. It's just never been something that's really interested me. I've always been that way. I, I don't really follow that stuff. I don't know about Celebrity culture or gossip. Um, I don't, that's just not something that's in my circle. And generally speaking, my friends aren't even in that circle. I mean, they kind of are. I mean, they know a little bit more about that stuff than I do. They're amazed. My friends are actually amazed. It blows them away what I don't know. Like, I know a lot of weird stuff. They say, How do you know? X, Y, and Z, like how do you know some random thing about science or how do you know some random thing about physics or some random whatever fact, historical thing or author or something, but you don't know who starred in, you couldn't name three actors from the Breakfast Club movie. And it's like, yeah, I I couldn't. Meanwhile, I've watched the movie, but I couldn't tell you who was in it. I just watch a movie to watch it. I, I don't know who's in what movie. I know a few, of course. I understand, you know, like I watch Pulp Fiction. I know, uh, you know, uh, John Travolta and and Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Quentin Tarantino was the director, but he was also in the movie. Uh, Uma Thurman was in there, and that's it. That's I, I can't name anybody else that appeared in that movie. Oh, uh, Bruce Willis, and that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't name another person that appeared, and I've watched that movie five hundred times, and I couldn't tell you who else is in there because. It's just not something that's all that interesting to me. Um, I know I have the memory for that sort of thing. I understand it, but I just—it's just nothing. I don't know. I have—I guess I've always just thought about more important things. People are like, well, how do you know so much about these senators and these various House bills, and how do you keep up on these world events and you, you, the political stuff and uh, all of that? But you don't care about anything. No, it's not. Yeah, I just don't care about pop culture. That's all. So. But if you ever want to have some fun at my expense, go ahead and ask me uh, who was in it. Name a really popular movie and ask me to try and name one person that was in it. And I probably can't. Or the other fun game you can do so that you can have some fun at my expense is, Mike, have you seen this movie? And then list off some popular movies. And there's a a better than 95% chance that I have not seen it. Because I don't go to the movies very often. The last movie I saw in the theater was the sequel to Tron that came out in 2010. Pretty sure that was... The, I saw Avatar, and then I saw the Tron thing. I, well, I wrote about at least one of those on the website. And uh, so, yeah, it's been about five years since I've been to a movie in the theater. Certainly, of course, I watch movies on Netflix. And if a friend brings over something and wants to watch, sure, I guess I can get involved in that. That's fine. That's not a big deal. It's just I don't know about... And also, I couldn't tell you who won American Idol last year or who won X Factor or Dancing with the Stars or So You Think You Can Dance or any of those reality shows. I couldn't tell you. I remember Richard Hatch won the first Survivor. That I remember. See, that's one of those random things that I remember. Trivial stuff like that. And I Kelly Clarkson in American Idol and stuff. But I mean, that's a long time ago. I couldn't tell you anything about that recently. See, I used to be kind of more in that business uh, back all, all that time ago. Back, you know, when I was programming uh, radio stations on a regular basis, uh, I kind of knew some of that stuff. But I don't know any of that stuff now. And I don't really care to know that stuff. But it would be nice, I guess, if I could be that guy and just bury my head in the sand and get lost in the pop culture thing. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's something we could do. Hmm. It would be easier, I guess, right? Anyway, we're back. It's the zip code famous Michael Graff show groffshow at gmail.com that is our email address it is groffshow at gmail.com that's also the paypal address for this program you can donate to us please do groffshow at gmail.com michael groff is the handle on twitter the michael groff show on facebook and for everything else michael groff related you know that you can always go to the one and only MichaelGroff.com. while you're there you can listen to and comment on any edition of this program past or present You can put in your email address and subscribe to this show so that every time we post a brand new edition of the program, you will get an email notification. And of course, there's just a lot of other fun stuff you can do there. Read our blogs and get in contact with me via the site and donate via the site. So much can be done. I'm sure at some point we'll even turn it into a fully functional porn site. Yes, the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. So in the wake of all the news about terrorism and uh, all the craziness that goes on in the world, then this is kind of, I don't know how to feel about this. This is a little bit weird. Russia's space agency is planning to build a manned moon base, launching modules into space on six separate rockets. Russia plans to launch a lunar probe in 2024, which will scout possible locations before landing a man on the moon in 2030. Construction of the Luna 25 lander has already begun. The official state news agency, TASS, has reported. They say once the components are eventually in place, it will take approximately 10 years to build the moon base. Of course, how exactly everything is going to be sustainable, I'm I'm not entirely sure. They're obviously going to have to bring in plants and water and some sort of sustainability to the whole thing. I guess they'll use solar energy to maintain the base i would imagine i'm not really sure how all that's going to work but they do plan on being the moon this is uh their let's see last year premier let's see deputy premier Drenity rogazin said quote we are coming to the moon forever yes mother russia will be on moon for rest of your lives <laughs> we will watch you from moon and crush you well they didn't say that part but Did say that they were going to the moon forever. And he also says the moon is not an an intermediate point in the race. It is a separate, even self-contained goal. Yes, of course it is. So they're going to uh, be on the moon. And uh, we haven't gone back to the moon since the early 70s. So I have no idea. Our space program seems to be on hold in this country. Um, We apparently have decided to just pretty much abandon it. And we're just going up with the Russians to the space station right now. And we're relying on other people. Meanwhile, China's building a space program. They have a space program. Um, Russia has one. Other countries plan to go to, to space and go to the moon. And I guess we're just content with not doing that for whatever reason. And I used to kind of say, well, what is the point of all these space missions? And I, to some degree, I still sort of feel that way, but I do understand that um, a lot can be garnered. A lot of things can be learned with the space program. uh, If we do something more than just study the effects of weightlessness on tiny screws, which is apparently what we were doing for many years with it before. I mean, I understand launching satellites is great. We don't need manned missions for that. And I understand that doing spacewalks, that's all fun and good, but I want to see something. I mean, the Russians have a goal here. You know, Building a moon base, that's pretty cool. Going to Mars, that's something that I think we should really be focusing on as well, right? I know that private enterprise is planning to do that. I get that. But our, our space program, I think our space program's pretty much just done, right? NASA's, I don't even know what they're doing here anymore. Aside from just training astronauts to go over to Russia and take their rockets up into the space station. Other than that, I don't really know what we're doing with NASA these days. All right. Here's a story that I don't think I've ever seen. You want to talk about shocking. This is a little bit shocking. (laughs) A woman has been told by her doctors that her toxic habit needs to stop immediately. Yes, we all know people that are addicted to things like drugs or alcohol or even people that have eating disorders and eventually somebody sits them down or even a doctor sits them down and says, look, uh, you got to stop this or it could be the end of your life. Uh, Well, this woman, her name is Evelyn, She is addicted to consuming air freshener, as in she actually drinks air freshener. She's 27 years old, and she cannot go a day without spraying air freshener into her mouth and even drinks it over ice. There's only one scent that she needs, and it's fresh linen because all the other flavors just don't cut it. Yes, so she she takes fresh linen scented air freshener and drinks it or sprays it directly into her mouth. Going through up to 20 cans a week, Evelyn declares on, uh, this this, this would be a TV show I do need to watch, on the TLC series, My Strange Addiction. Quote, I love air freshener. I've got to have fresh linen. I literally crave it. In the last three years, there is not a day gone by where I've not had it. The mother of two has been consuming the flammable fluid for years and says that her addiction got worse after the death of her mother. How is that even something that you start doing? How does that get started? How do do you have two children? There's so many questions that I have here. How has CPS not come by and taken away your kids? See, this is what I'm talking about with keeping your eye on the prize and being vigilant of your neighbors. Like, if I saw one of my neighbors taking out some Glade and just dumping it down her gullet, I probably would call the police right away and be like, yeah, um, yeah, police, my neighbor is drinking air freshener. Yeah, the woman comes over to my house and she starts <laughs> stealing my plug-in air fresheners and eating them. What possesses you to do? Th- okay, here we go. Evelyn says that the scent reminds her of her mother's cooking, adding, quote, that was kind of my escape just to have that air freshener there. It's all right. She's got some issues with the death of her mother. Clearly, she has some some problems there. But if you have two kids and you're downing air freshener and your kids haven't been taken away and I haven't heard about a Mr. Wonderful in her life, I imagine that whoever she had kids with saw her addiction to air freshener and ran out of the room very, very quickly and got out of that situation very fast. Like if I was with someone, And, you know, I'm a pretty tolerant person for a lot of things. But uh, if I was with someone and I saw them chugging down some some end dust or whatever, (laughs) I'm sitting there going, "Um, what the hell are you doing? That's Windex. "Um, I have an addiction. Yeah, you do. And you know what? I also have an addiction to running very, very fast away from people like you. Uh, See you later. You know, some addictions I could probably put up with in a relationship. Uh, Some addictions are just something that I don't think. Yeah my somebody yeah my wife is addicted to air freshener oh alright I can just see the reaction from uh, friends on that one Evelyn decided that she was going to go to a doctor <laughs> she said she was going to go to a doctor and see if these air fresheners were having any sort of long lasting effect on her and of course she wasn't prepared for the fact that the doctors actually were like, What? The F is wrong with you, lady? Of course they are. You're killing yourself. And so she broke down in tears because she couldn't believe it. oh, uh, ma'am, you know that uh, toxic stuff you've been drinking? Yes. Well, it, uh, is actually killing you. Oh my god, how could this be? I thought it was something that, you know, you could just take. It smells so good, so you should be able to drink it, right? No, actually, you're pretty stupid. You're actually insane we're going to put you in a straitjacket right now and take your kids away. And we're going to hope for the best. We're, we're going to try and track down the father who probably ran away and is hiding somewhere under a rock very far so as to hope to never have any contact with you whatsoever. Uh, we're going to try and track him down, though, uh, so that maybe we can give your kids something of a normal upbringing. Well, um, just make sure that you give <laughs> you give my kids their daily allotment of cat food Uh, because that's what I feed them every day. All right, ma'am. Okay, we're just going to go ahead and lock you up now. What? Uh, No wonder that the country is the way that it is because most of the people around here are crazy. People are drinking air freshener. Well, no wonder. Is there a meeting for this sort of thing? Like, I understand there's Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Al-Anon, and so forth. But is there a meeting, some sort of group, a support group you can go to whack jobs anonymous or something where you can stand up and go hi i'm evelyn hi evelyn i have a serious addiction to air fresheners uh or wintergreen it's it's all the same i i just love it all i i i um i drink it daily and um uh i snort it i put it over on the rocks sometimes with some whiskey it's it's delicious well i can never imagine that somebody would have tried this I know people are sometimes desperate for alcohol and will use anything. My dad used to tell me about people that used to use shoe polish and they used to like uh, try and, and filter out the alcohol from shoe polish to uh, to drink it. So when he was in the military and stationed overseas, I, 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 he's told me some wacky stories about things that people would try to do with other... I guess so, yeah, maybe this isn't that surprising after all. The point is, and the point of this entire show People are, in fact, crazy. That's the bottom line. I've never once been sitting around the house, though, with one of my cleaning agents or air fresheners and thought, gee, you know, I'm going to give this a taste. It smells so good. I never looked at some (laughs) some N-Dust or some 409 or Clorox 2 and thought, or Comet. I thought, I'll put that on my donuts. It does such a great job cleaning my bathroom. It gets all the grime out of the tub that... It's got to get the grime out of me too, right? I'm sure that'll work. I don't know. I'm very, very concerned about humanity right now. The Zip Code Famous. Michael Show. Finally I figured out a long, long time Now there's a turnabout Maybe cause I'm trying There's been times Zip code famous, Michael Groff Show, December 3rd, 2015. GroffShow at gmail.com. That is our email address, groffshow at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal address for your generous donations to this program, groffshow at gmail.com. Donate to us because you know you want to. The Michael Groff Show on Facebook, Michael Groff on Twitter, and for everything else Michael Groff related, it is, of course, michaelgroff.com. Where if you go over there, you can listen and comment to this or other previous editions of this program. Plus, you can, of course, subscribe to our program. So every time we post a brand new edition of this program, you will get an email notification. And uh, donations can happen through the site and a whole bunch of other stuff at the one, the only, MichaelGroff.com. Alright, now... Here's something that is a little bit of a weird story, a kind of a hit for the First Amendment. I'd say this is definitely a weird one. I'll try to explain it. In Macosta County, Michigan, there's a guy by the name of Keith Wood. He is being charged with felony obstruction of justice and misdemeanor jury tampering after he handed out over 50 flyers on the Macosta County courthouse steps to passers-by and to people that were going inside the courtroom. the courthouse and uh these flyers are published by the fully informed jury association and in them there are instructions on what a juror's rights are what are your rights as a juror well apparently this upset the judge one of the judges inside the courthouse so much that he asked one of the court officers if he'd go outside and kindly ask mr wood to step into the courthouse Keith Wood finally agreed to do so. When he did, the judge ordered the court officer to arrest him on the charges listed above, jury tampering and obstruction of justice. And he set a $150,000 bond against Wood, who's 39 years old. Obviously, this has sparked some controversy because you can't just do that. And you might be saying, well, what what the hell's in these flyers? What are these juror rights that everyone's so uh, upset about? Well, these are the same instructions that judges used to give to jurors uh, over 100 years ago. These are instructions that generally aren't even given out anymore to jurors, but um, they include the idea that as a juror, you have the right to find somebody not guilty, even if you believe that the charge that is against them even if, you believe, even if the evidence is there that there's sufficient evidence to convict them, you can find them not guilty if you believe that the law that they are facing, the charge they are facing is unjust or immoral in some way. It's called jury nullification. And so, for example, the classic example we use here is if someone is busted for marijuana possession and they go into a courtroom and you're a juror sitting there, And the evidence is clear that the person possessed marijuana, but you think that it's okay for people to possess marijuana. You believe that the law, the process, is unjust or immoral. Uh, You can then decide to vote not guilty. That is your right as a juror. So he was handing out flyers like this that just gave the, uh, the rights. And uh, apparently a judge says you can't do that. Meanwhile, it's a First Amendment issue. Of course you can. So this Keith Wood, he went out and hired himself an attorney, David Gel- David Kelman, who uh, tells Fox 17 in Michigan that this is an outrageous case. It is, uh, it is just a ridiculous travesty of justice to even try to do that. And then uh, Keith Wood says, when he, the judge, told me that the bond was he said i was speechless 150,000 thousand dollar bond for handing out a piece of paper on a public sidewalk i was speechless wood said that he charged the uh, now you have you can get out by uh, posting 10% of the bond so that's $15,000 he charged the 15 grand to his credit card to post the bond kelvin said that he will fight for uh, for the bond to be returned and called these charges, uh, obviously, a violation of free speech. Quote, it's just a blatant, illegal, improper use of government power to squelch a person's constitutional rights to free speech. That's exactly what it is, says Kelman. There has to be pushback, and judges and prosecutors and people need to know you cannot squelch people's free speech rights and get away with it, Kelman goes on to say. Wood says that he's motivated to instruct jurors as to their rights. He says, quote, It's not illegal to fully inform jurors. It's just the judges don't do it anymore. To me, I just feel like the justice system would be much better off and we, the people, would be much better off if jurors were fully informed. I don't see anything wrong with that. Jury nullification is part of the process. If you, a juror, this is your right as a juror, is that if you feel that a law is immoral or being wrongfully applied, You can acquit someone even if the evidence is contrary. And uh, so that's something that you have the right to do as a juror. And most people don't know that here in the U.S. Most jurors don't know that. Judges don't give those instructions on it. As it says even here, uh, since the late 19th century, judges generally omit that part of their instruction to jurors. So this guy's just handing that out. It's, again, to me, it is no different than handing out the Constitution on the steps of the courthouse. I guess it just upsets people because... I don't know, maybe he thinks that, what, would this cause chaos in our jury system if people just felt that a law is immoral so they decide to, to acquit someone? You know, I don't think... This has been something that's been out there forever. It's not like many murderers get away with it. It's not like many people get away with crime simply because jury nullification is something that is a legitimate and perfectly legal, perfectly moral, perfectly normal part of our system. But whatever. I guess you're in Michigan anyway, in Macosta County. Apparently, you're just not allowed to say that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, case plays out over the next uh, several weeks, I imagine. And then this is something that is just not a good idea. Police arrested a Hermanston man accused of putting a fake bomb in a garbage can. The East Oregonian reports that police dispatched Monday after a garbage man found a cardboard box with the words, this is a bomb, written on it. A bomb squad discovered a beer bottle inside the box. Police charged 23-year-old David Ponce with disorderly conduct and possession of a hoax explosive device. According to police, Ponce told investigators that he was trying to play a joke on a relative. That's huge comedy right there. Police chief Jason Edmondson said that uh, police have arrested Ponce several times, in fact dozens of times. They've cited him over recent years. Given all that contact with the police, the chief said, quote, we would hope some common sense would come into the decision making on what is acceptable behavior and what is not. Well, obviously not. If you're writing this is a bomb on something, that's generally a bad idea. Don't do that at airports. Don't do that well, just don't do that in general frankly. then here's kind of a weird one. There, This happened in a Starbucks in California. Osro Robert Lee, 50 years old, was hanging around the Starbucks. He was being generally kind of a creeper. Just sort of gawking at customers, following people around, being just a little bit weird. And then reportedly, he aggressively approached a 20-year-old skateboarder inside who apparently hit him with his skateboard in an act of self-defense. Well, he struck the guy in the head, wound up killing uh, this guy, uh, Osro Lee. And I don't know, you might say it's kind of a a loss, kind of a tragic story until you find out that Osro Robert Lee is a convicted and registered sex offender. I don't know, kind of seems all right now. (laughs) The skateboarder did everybody a a, a favor. Uh, In 2012, Lee was convicted of breaking into a home and masturbating in front of a partially paralyzed grandmother and her two young granddaughters, among other things. What a creep. Now, this guy wasn't doing anything sexual at the time, but he was being just kind of creepy. And then he approached this kid. The kid kind of got a little bit weirded out he starts kind of touching him or being aggressive toward him kid bonks him over the head with a skateboard kills him now he's dead good you know what good kid kills and then uh, the kid ran off uh, initially because he was scared him and his girlfriend i guess were there and he, they ran off and then eventually they came back to uh, face the music the police are not going to charge him with anything they uh, all the witnesses say that he acted in self defense everyone says that it was cool They ran this guy through the system. They determined he was a sex offender, and therefore, nobody really cares. That's the bottom line. And finally, we have this. Brazilians who post racist abuse online may see their words blown up and pasted onto billboards near their houses. The campaign is called Virtual Racism Real Consequences, and it's backed by Criola who is a uh, civil rights organization, also the maker of crayons, I do believe. Anyway, run by uh, Afro-Brazilian women. The group collects comments from Facebook or Twitter and uses geolocation tools to find out where the people who have posted them live. They then buy billboard space nearby the home in which the comments originated, and they blow those up and they advertise exactly who posted those comments. Krill's founder Jarema Wormick says the campaign is intended to encourage people to speak out and report racism. Those who post abuse online think that they can sit in the comfort of their homes and do whatever they want on the internet. We don't let that happen. They can't hide from us. We will find them, Wormick told the BBC. By the way, if you're wondering, that is the uh, the sweet sound outside. Here, listen. Well, it's gone now, but that was the uh, that's the sound of somebody uh, taking care of their lawn. I don't know. You'd think it'd be perfectly soundproof in here, but it is uh, it is most certainly not. I can assure you. All right. <laughs> anyway, Brazilians who identify as black, sometimes called Afro-Brazilian, make up 7.6 percent of the population, according to the country's 2010 census mixed race or pardo Brazilians who may have a degree of black ancestry make up a further 43% so they're trying to stop all these racist posts uh, online and whatever and if they find out who you are uh, then they're going to track you down they're going to buy billboards near your house and they're going to humiliate you and I'm fully okay with that they should do that with video games too why not why stop why stop at just social media Try to find out people online. You should see some of the stuff people write in games. You should see some of the stuff people write in various communities or say in various communities online. Well, that's kind of a cool initiative. I think we could really expand this quite a bit. Why stop at just racist stuff? Why not take this? Imagine in the U.S. we start doing that. We find the people that's, that post these really insane, just really stupid things on Facebook. I know it's going to be hard to narrow it down because there's so much of it. But we take all the people that write the insane, stupid stuff and post the insane, stupid memes all over Facebook and Twitter. And we take the dumbest of the dumb and we start posting their uh, their addresses or we start posting their pictures and the dumb things they say on billboards near their house. And how you can find them. I don't know, I think that would be a great idea. Put their name up there, put their stupid comment. You know, maybe... Um, direct you to the nearest store to buy a dozen eggs? Sounds like a good idea to me. Maybe not. I'm sure I would be on a billboard somewhere very nearby. There's a very good chance of that based on some of the stuff I do on this show on a regular basis. Oh, well. Alright, well, that's about it. So good job, Brazil, though. Good job to the whatever group that is, the Afro-Brazilian group that's doing that to fight racism. Good for you guys. I'm I'm all for doing that here. All right. Grofshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. It is grofshow at gmail.com. That is also the PayPal address for this program so that you can donate to us, paypal.com. You go over there, you donate to us, the address grofshow at gmail.com on PayPal. The Michael Groff Show is our Facebook page. Go over there, facebook.com slash the Michael Groff Show. We link up uh, all of our shows to that, so you can go there. Michael Groff on Twitter, and for everything and anything else Michael Groff related, you can go to michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can post, comment, listen to this or any of our previous shows. You can subscribe, put your email address in there so every time a brand new edition of this program is posted, you'll get the email notifications. And of course, you can donate there as well. All can be done at the one and only michaelgraff.com. Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. As always, we'll see you next time. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff show. Good night everybody.